A new mask mandate in Kansas City, but is this one going to be different? The state is already fighting it in court, so how long will it last? And what about our schools? If you take masks away at these school levels, we will see widespread transmission. COVID and other serious illnesses are not going away. Do we mask forever? COVID may still be dominating the headlines, but we haven't forgotten there's a big election next week. We lift up the hood on the race for mayor of Overland Park and David Alvey's fight for four more years leading Wyandotte County. A handy-dandy election guide straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlies Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nick Haynes. Can you keep track of everything going on right now? In fact, I lobbied my boss for a two-hour show this week. What I got is 27 minutes, so let's make the most of it, if it's okay with you. Let's roll up our sleeves and get moving. By the way, we're in good hands. Mr. Up-to-date on KCURFM, Steve Kraske is with us. Kyle Palmer, reporter and editor at the Shawnee Mission Post. Longtime education reporter, now star editorial writer, Marae Rose-Williams, and her star colleague, Dave Helling. I want to start the show by rewinding the tape. This is Mayor Quinton Lucas on Sunday appearing on the nation's CBS show, Face the Nation. I think every mayor of a major city in America right now is wondering if it's a time to return to mandates. We have thought at this point thus far that it is not necessary for Kansas City. Mandates not necessary here. Barely 48 hours later, a massive change of heart. Late breaking news. A mask mandate is going back into effect. Our doctors have been telling us it's a problem for a while. Today we are taking real steps to make sure that we address that concern long term. So starting Monday morning, you are now required to wear a mask indoors in all public places in Kansas City, regardless of your vaccination status. Steve, what changed in such a short period of time? The change in guidance from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, which came out and said a big change is in order now, given what's going on with COVID across the country, Nick. You know, the mayor insists, Dave Helling, that the, he is sticking with the CDC numbers, their guidance throughout the pandemic, and today is no different. But is it? Take a look at these headlines from last year. It was in the first week of April of 2020 that the CDC recommended everyone wear uh, face coverings in public. Did Kansas City immediately respond? No. How about a week later? No. In fact, it was almost three months later in June that Mayor Lucas issued the first mask mandate in Kansas City. So is there something more at play here than simply following health advice from leaders at the CDC? Well, you also, uh, Nick, should mention that the CDC has changed its advice over time, right? I mean, it's telling people at one point that if you're vaccinated, you don't need masks in most situations. Now that's changed. The, the, the facts on the ground continue to evolve, and that, I think, is behind what's going on with Mayor uh, Quentin Lucas's order. But let's be very clear. Um, uh, it, it isn't just up to him. I mean, schools are trying to decide what to do, colleges and universities. Different jurisdictions have different rules. It's really a mess right now. And yet the COVID danger is exploding. If you, if you look at the numbers just in the last week to 10 days, 
So we're in for a period, I think, of real confusion in the region about what to do about this new threat. You know, it's interesting. We had Rex Archer on this program a few weeks ago, the Kansas City, Missouri Public Health Director, Kyle, and he said, well, we wouldn't do a mask mandate until we got other jurisdictions on board at the same time. Yet it seems like no one is getting on board. Jackson County not following through, the City of Independence saying, no, we're just going to recommend masks. We're not going to require them. And, and Johnson County, too. Why the reluctance in Johnson County to move forward with a mask mandate? Well, I think the situation in Johnson County partly is based on the fact that Johnson County is a relatively highly vaccinated county. Uh, by last check, county health data shows that nearly 57% of Johnson Countyans are fully vaccinated. That is the highest rate of any county in the Kansas City metro has been for some time. So there is that. And I'll also say that mask opposition in Johnson County, skepticism um, about masks and COVID mitigation measures has been a little bit more entrenched and the opposition a little bit more vocal maybe than in other parts of the metro. There's certainly plenty of opposition in Missouri to Marie Rose Williams. We see the attorney general in Missouri may be filing a lawsuit, wanting to file a lawsuit against Kansas City and St. Louis to fight these mandates. And also Governor Mike Parsons saying this, this whole mandate idea is going to backfire. It's going to take away one of the major incentives for people to get vaccinated. And that is you don't have to wear a mask anymore. It makes me want to laugh when I think about somebody wanting to sue somebody for um, putting out an order that is just going to protect people. I mean, that we, we, we keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Look at what happened last time we all wore masks. The numbers went down. Now they're asking, the numbers are going up when we take the masks off. So they're asking us to put the mask back on, bring the numbers down. But the mayor says on his mask mandate that starts Monday, it's going to go into effect until August 28th. But could it be short-circuited by a lawsuit by the attorney general, Steve? Oh, I think... Potentially, yes. I mean, Eric Schmidt seems determined to go out and try to stop these things. You know, the, the thing I find so discouraging, Nick, once again, we are facing a national crisis with COVID-19, and we simply can't come together to battle this thing. Uh, a couple of hours ago, Nick, uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas tweeted that he had reached out to Eric Schmidt, the attorney general, to see if they could meet. The two of them could meet to discuss the legal situation around the mask mandate. And Mayor Lucas said that Schmidt turned him down because Schmidt was too busy. So that looks like it will go forward. But let's be clear, the litigation on these matters will take weeks. I mean, it's not like something can go into effect next Monday, at least uh, as of now. Now, there may be a motion for a restraining order or some emergency hearing, but we don't expect that to happen. The other thing to keep in mind is we're talking about this in July. Imagine what it's going to be like in October or November when everyone is staying inside and communication of disease is more likely. That's when COVID peaked last time, actually, was in October and November. Uh, if you think it's, uh, you know, convoluted and politically difficult now, just imagine what it's going to be 90 days from now. It's going to be a mess. Just a couple of things I want to mention here. It's just interesting trends as we get the ripple effects of COVID here in our metro. Just um, It just held its grand reopening. Now the Truman Presidential Museum has abruptly shut its doors, citing heightened concerns over COVID. So if there's so much of a health risk, Dave Helling, why isn't the Nelson shutting down or the Auschwitz exhibit at Union Station? Well, is, it more, is it more dangerous to look at artifacts of Harry Truman? No, and so just stand by. Uh, we also need to pay a lot of attention, Nick, to what the royals do. You know, they're pretty much throwing the doors open. Whether that changes or not, it's not clear. And the Chiefs start their season in about six weeks. Again, I think we're going through some real pains here, but it is nothing 
nothing compared to what it will be when school starts, colleges and universities come back, dormitories open, fall sports begin. We're really in for a headache here, I think, in the next 60 days. Okay, I want to talk about that in a second. But by the way, all of this latest mask mandate news comes at the same time, as Dave Helling points out, that every suburban school district in our metro is actually saying no to masks, with one exception, the Shawnee Mission School District voting this week to require face coverings for elementary students only. I would like it to be optional this year, and if for those concerned, their kids can wear them. Several parents were having their children pulled out of the district. They've decided to homeschool again this year because uh, of, of potential mask mandates. If you take masks away at these school levels, we will see widespread transmission. So I'm saddened that masking is again being considered as a mandate. COVID and other serious illnesses are not going away. Do we mask forever? <laughs> Some people, though, are confused by the distinction here. Uh, if there's no vaccine requirement for any kids, why, Kyle Palmer, is it somehow safer to allow middle and high school students to go unmasked? Well, I think the district's reasoning is that middle and high schoolers are at least eligible for the vaccine. If you're 12 or older, you can get the vaccine. So the district Most of them, though, don't, their... though, have it. Well, correct. I mean, Johnson County data shows that less than 10% of people 17 and younger actually have the vaccine. The district's figures that they offered up at Monday's meeting said that between 20 and 30% by their calculation, 20 to 30% of their middle and high schoolers do have the vaccine. But I think what the district is trying to do is put their efforts towards um, counseling students and families to get vaccinated, you know, pleading for, you know, responsibility and, and collective health instead of trying to fight the masking battles at the secondary level. For elementary kids, the public health logic is maybe a little more explicit because kids 11 and younger simply cannot get the vaccine right now. So literally every elementary school kid is unvaccinated. So the school district is really leaning on that while also um, trying to maybe play the game of urging older kids and their families to get vaccinated as opposed to trying to go with a broader mandate for all kids. What is the implications of all of this? Murray, I see that uh, the U.S. Census come up with figures today that people are just opting out. More than double the number of families today are now homeschooling versus even just six months ago. Uh, and a huge jump there, the biggest jump in black households from 3% last year to 16% uh, now. Are those students gone forever? And they very well may be. And I think you're going to even see more of that happening um, with the mask mandate. Um, I think that people realizing that they can do this by Zoom and they're going to be opting for remote education. And don't we also know, and, and Steve, you're a professor, you can help us here. We also know that remote learning isn't what we hoped it would be. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a, a big disappointment. I think that it was one time it was seen as the future of higher education, maybe seen as the future of all manner of schooling. But I think after a year and a half of it, people are looking at it very differently today and much more critically. How is this playing out, uh, Kyle, in the school board races that we have now going on in Kansas? I think this will be an issue come November. Right now, we only have one school board race that has a primary right now. That's in Olathe. We have a huge uh, election going on in Overland Park, which we'll get to in just a moment, because next Tuesday, even though we're concentrating a lot on COVID, is election day in, on the Kansas side of our state line. Again, <clears throat> going to Overland Park in just a moment, but first let's head to Wyandotte County, where you've got an important choice to make. Do you think David Alvey deserves four more years as your mayor. Four candidates are challenging him for the job. Steve Kraske, you've been interviewing all of these candidates. If you ask David Alvey what's been his biggest accomplishment in the last four years, what would he say? 
He doesn't hesitate at all, Nick. He points to his county's response to COVID-19. He says they followed the science. They did what was required to keep people safe. And he says this despite the fact that the numbers of vaccinated folks in Wyandotte County, of course, isn't nearly as high as Kyle just pointed out in Johnson County. So he might be vulnerable to some criticism there, but it's definitely the response to COVID. You know, if you go to his campaign website, you'll discover this sentence, I'm improving the look, feel, and function of Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas. So rather than a pat on the back, why do four people have the audacity to be running against him, Marie Rose Williams? Well, if you ask Janice Witt, who's also running against him, um, it will be because he's done nothing for the, the neighborhoods that have been neglected and ignored um, in Wyandotte County for, uh, for, for decades. There's also the public utility bills that are extremely high. For some people, those bills are higher than their rent and their mortgage. So that's a big problem. Um, then you would also have to look at what's happening with their police department and corruption. And so, yeah, those people have real issues with the way Wyandotte, the UG, has been has been run. One candidate getting lots of attention in this race is a man by the name of Tyrone Garner, who was one of the highest ranking officers in the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. In New York City, a former police captain just won the Democratic primary for mayor. But would that be an unusual move, Dave Helling, here for a police officer to take over one of the highest profile political jobs in our metro, particularly in Kansas City, Kansas, where, as Murray just said, there's concern about corruption in the police department? And you want to put a, a police officer in that role? Right. And if Ty Garner has any sort of Achilles heel, that may be it, because some people think he should have been more, more proactive during his time on the force to uh, address the corruption that exists there. Uh, it, it would be unusual, Nick, to answer your question, to have an officer, a police officer, a former member of the police force uh, be elected mayor. But it would be unique for Wyandotte County in Kansas City, Kansas, to elect an African-American as mayor. That's never happened before. How about Chris Steidegger then, Steve? He has a more traditional political pedigree, 18 years as a state senator in Wyandotte County. His cousin, Joe Steinegger, was the longtime mayor of Kansas City. How would he be different than David Alvey? Well, he's saying he's sort of the shake-em-up candidate. He wants to stage an old-fashioned revolt, if you will, against high tax rates, against the BPU utility rates that Murray talked about. You now, he points out that he opposes this old-style Democratic machine that he says has been in charge in Wyandotte County for generations here, lots of patronage jobs. He wants to change the system entirely and usher in a new way of thinking. I have to, for equity purposes, mention that there are a couple of other names in the mix. Darren Duffy is one of them. He's a truck driver who recently moved from Johnson County to KCK. I am a biblical conservative. I will always vote according to those Bible values. And the people are begging to be heard. Community activist Janice Witt was on this program in 2013 when she first ran for mayor. She ran in 2017 too and lost again. Marae Rose Williams, why does she think she has any better shot this time? Well, she thinks that those first two runs for her were an opportunity for her to get her platform out there and her name out there. She also thinks that people are just at the point now where they are completely fed up with, you know, the high taxes, the high um, uh, public utility uh, bills. And so she thinks this is her time. And David Alvey wasn't helped this week, Dave Helling, when the news broke that Cerner, one of the largest employers there now in Wyandotte County, uh, with their big campus uh, near the Legends, has decided to sell out. They don't want it anymore. That was supposed to be 4,000 jobs. And they put a lot of tax incentives into that, and that's going away. 
Right. A lot of that was Kansas, state of Kansas, and not KCKY.County. And so how much blame David Alvey will get for that is not clear. And Steve is right. He can point to his COVID response, but he is clearly, Nick, the status quo candidate. There is a choice. Do you like things the way they're going? Then David Alvey probably is your choice. If not, then one of these other candidates will probably step forward. Another big race on the ballot Tuesday is happening in Overland Park. Carl Gulak has led Johnson County's largest city for the past 16 years, not for much longer. He's retiring, now four candidates vying to fill his shoes in a job that pays about $38,000 a year. There are two city council members who say they have what it takes, an attorney and a businessman, who also want to add the title mayor to their names. Let's start, if we can, then, with just these uh, comparing these two council candidates. Faris Farazati is a cancer researcher. Kurt Skoog says he's been 25 years in a background of marketing and business development. Hi, I am Dr. Faris Farasati, an Overland Park Councilman and a mayoral candidate. In the last four years, I have been working with you and for you anywhere that your voice has needed to be heard. My name's Kurt Skoog, and I'm running to be your mayor of Overland Park. Today, I'm here with the past two mayors, Carl Gerlach and Ed Eiler, and I'm proud to have their support for my campaign. According to a Star editorial, Farazati is Dr. No. Skoog is being painted as the face of the status quo. What would be the biggest difference we'd notice if Faris Farazati became mayor, Kyle Palmer? I think you would see some big differences both in substance and tone. I mean, Farazati has banked his candidacy on challenging what he sees as the powers that be, the status quo in Overland Park. He's done that most notably in his constant criticism of tax incentives. But it's also arisen in issues like police transparency and the use of or the expansion of U.S. 69 using toll lanes. On all these issues, Farisati tries to paint himself as the reformer, the outsider, the person who's going to shake things up. The criticism gets to his style, right? I mean, you've read media reports. His colleagues on the city council think he's a grandstander, that he's unprepared largely on the issues, that he likes to attach his name People to People don't proposals. like him, we're told, on the council. So how does he respond to that? Well... He would say that that is proof that he's making the right people uncomfortable, that if he's going to be the bull in the china shop, if he's going to be the proverbial kind of thorn in the side of the powers that be, that that's good. Um, I don't know if he would take to the nickname Dr. No, but it's no secret that his candidacy has been uh, based on rejecting a lot of what might be considered business as usual. But, but Steve, don't you think, though, if so, if we have Dr. No, this is now the status quo candidate, Mr. Skoog, uh, and some people view that, oh, that's boring, that's just doing the same thing. Uh, is he going to be the same person as Carl Gerlach if he gets elected? And yeah, is there anything think, wrong with that? I, I think that's probably what you would expect, Nick, and a lot of folks uh, who back... Uh, Kurt Skoog would say, hey, Overland Park has had a, a legacy of success going back decades now. The county now risen to be the second most populous city in the entire state. So something they will say has gone right here under the leadership of people like Ed Eilert and uh, Kurt uh, and Carl Gerbach. There are two other choices, and they're both getting some familiar faces campaigning for them. Hi. I'm Dr. Barbara Bollier, and I'm here in Overland Park to support my friend, Clay Norkey, who's running to be your next mayor. While attorney Clay Norkey is getting the blessing of former Senate candidate Barbara Bollier, former Kansas Governor Jeff Collier putting his name behind Norkey's opponent, Mike Sinegi, a former senior executive with the AMC movie theater chain. I'm running for mayor because Overland Park needs a business executive that knows how to solve problems. 
Dave Helling, these are both outsiders. They've never served on the city council before. And when you think about um, Carl Gerlach and his predecessor, Ed Eilert, they were on the council first and moved up there. Is it too much of a learning curve to become mayor in a city like Overland Park if you've never served on the council before? No, no, no. I mean, Car you know, Ed Eilert was once a rookie too, and so was Carl Gerlach. I mean, that, that can happen. So it, it isn't a disqualifier that you've never served before. The big question in this race, Nick, and really in Wyandotte County to a degree too is, in a time of COVID and so much disruption uh, of our daily routines, are people mad enough at government to say, no, we need a whole new direction? Or are they satisfied by and large with the way their government is operating at the local level? We'll see the answer to that next Tuesday. Okay, Kyle Palmer, a quick uh, fast fire round for you. If I don't want to pay a toll to drive on 69 Highway, who's the candidate most likely to prevent that from happening? Uh, none of them. I mean, that cat's already out of the bag. It's already happening. <laughs> you, you know, think, is already... so none of them could change that. For all the talk you well, hear I mean, about I, it. Okay. I, 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 get the, I get the point of your question. I mean, I think <laughs> philosophically, if you oppose the ideas of tolls, which you might consider a tax, then you would probably want to vote for Ferris Farisati. He's been most vocally against this. So I will say for that particular issue, I know this is supposed to be a lightning round, but there's been a lot of misinformation about that expansion on that particular issue. Didn't you say that Mike Sinegi got in the race because of that? Yes, he got into the race because of the, the whole toll issue. That's exactly right. If I don't like wearing masks, Cal Palmer, or I have a business and I don't want anyone telling me I have to limit how many people can come in, who's my candidate? I think you have your choice of candidates because this hasn't come up that much. And in my general sense is that all four candidates are fairly hesitant to put restrictions on private businesses. I think if asked, they'd all defer that to the county and their former colleague, Ed Eilert. All right, if I worry that only the rich can now afford to live in Overland Park and there's no affordable housing for working families, who's my guy? Well, both Farisadi and Skoog have made this a central part of their campaign. They both point to their experience trying to do things about this in their time on the city council. Of course, Skoog has more experience doing that. He'd point to his 16 years as trying to do things like convert old hotels into affordable apartments. Farisadi would say his stance his staunch opposition to things like tax incentives is part and parcel of putting more city resources towards kitchen table concerns like that as opposed to, to using them for tax breaks. If I like the idea of the streetcar coming over to Kansas, do I even have a guy? <laughs> I'd say we come back to that in 12 or 16 years. Uh, <laughs> I don't you know, know that's if interesting. Park's ready for that one. <laughs> you know, I, I actually heard that question about David Alvey, too. Um, you know, that people would like to see that in Wyandotte County. Is any candidate even proposing that, Steve, in Wyandotte County? No, but in Overland Park, maybe Norkey's your guy. He's more moderate uh, about climate change and talks about that as an issue. Mass transit might fit there, but yeah. You know, we do have some other issues. I want to just touch upon before we leave the program. The police are back in the spotlight. Some people say they never left. This week, civil rights activists contacted the nation's attorney general, Merrick Garland, to demand a Department of Justice probe into the work of the Kansas City Police Department. They want an investigation similar to the one launched into the actions of the Ferguson Police Department after the death of Michael Brown. Department of Justice, hear our pain. Hear our cries, see the bloodshed of our children intervene. Meanwhile, in the very same week, Mayor Quinton Lucas proposes a pay hike for cops and extra cash for officers who live in the city. Is this a mixed message? We have civil rights activists saying the KCPD is ripe with abuse and brutalizing black residents. And the mayor says, we respect your work so much, you should get a pay raise, Dave. It's been a week of moving chess pieces for the department, Nick. You've pointed out a few. Let's also note that the Board of Police Commissioners 
agreed to allow officers to live uh, outside of the city limits as state law now allows within 30 miles, but delayed any uh, decision to allow them to live in Kansas, which was pretty provocative. So yes, I think the mayor is trying to counter his perception as anti-police. That's why he want raises. That's why he wants other reforms. But the major conflict over who controls the department remains an issue in Kansas City, Missouri. You know, it's interesting, Kyle, we hear about this. This is constantly a Missouri side issue about this residency. But do, do any police departments in Johnson County, for instance, require their police officers to live in the city in which they serve? Uh, not that I'm aware of. And in fact, one prominent example, the police chief of Prairie Village, Byron Roberson, is actually a resident of Overland Park. When you put a program like this together every week, we can't get to every big local headline making the headlines in Kansas City. What was the big story we missed? Is it disarray in local college sports? Texas and Oklahoma are announcing they're departing the Big 12. Is KU next? And what does this mean for Kansas City, which has hosted the Big 12 basketball tournament for most of its history? Just days after Cleveland ditches the Indian's name for the Guardians, the Chief ending a tradition that started in the 60s, they're retiring war paint. But the team insists the Chief's name is staying. Memorial services this week for one of the Metro's most influential ministers. Bob Manili led the Village Presbyterian Church in Prairie Village for nearly half a century and is remembered for taking an early stand against racism in Johnson County and for his outspoken sermons on the dangers of religious extremism. The delay continues, still no word on when low-income Missourians can enroll in Medicaid a week after the state Supreme Court approved the program's expansion. And help wanted, a new zoo director, Randy Wistoff, announcing he's retiring after 18 years of caring for Kansas City's wildest creatures. All righty, Steve Kraske, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? The loss of the Reverend Bob Anili, uh, what an intellectual powerhouse he was. His words still resonate today, Nick, and that uh, is a tremendous legacy to leave behind. Marie Rose Williams. I really wanted to say war paint, but it, except that you still get people out there doing the chops, so I can't really go with the chiefs on this. So I, I'm going to go with... Black Restaurant Week, you know, I think that's a really big story to support our um, black businesses. Kyle Palmer. Well, in the hubbub of all the COVID-19 mitigation and, and masking decisions made on Monday night, the Shawnee Mission School Board also made another decision. They're no longer going to live stream their public comments for their meetings. This came after YouTube removed a meeting in May because of some, quote, medical misinformation that some pub public commenters um, said about masks and vaccines. Dave Helling. A you know, potential breakup of the uh, Big 12 is a huge story. The Big 12 could go away tomorrow. And so we'll just have to keep an eye on it. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thank you to the Shawnee Mission Post's Kyle Palmer from your Kansas City star, Marie Rose Williams and Dave Helling, and keeping you up to date weekdays at 9 on KCURFM. Steve Kraske. Remember, Election Day is on Tuesday, by the way, in the Overland Park and Wyandotte County Mayor's races. You'll be picking the two top candidates who will then go through to the general election this fall. I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.